0: Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Partial Lab. I'm Beth Lesh. I'm a writer here at Aleph Beta.
1: And I'm Ami Silver, another writer at Aleph Beta.
0: Thanks so much for joining me, Ami. I'm excited to do this with you today.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here with you, Beth.
0: So I want to also give a shout out and a thank you to our listeners. Those of you who have subscribed, keep on tuning in. You guys are awesome. And if you haven't already, make sure you sign on and you give our app five stars. That way all of your other partial loving friends can can also find us. And if you have not yet subscribed, now is the time to do so. So Ami, let's dive in. We're talking today about Parshat Devarim, and I've got some stuff I want to share with you, and I've got some questions. So um, I'm looking forward to some of the work that we can do together in making sense of all of this. Let's just start by situating our listeners a little bit. What is going on here at the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy? Where are we?
1: Okay, so let's start geographically from what I recall. We're basically um, on the banks of the Jordan River, Or in their general vicinity, the nation has gone through the 40 years of wandering in the desert and is preparing to enter the land of Israel. And the book of Devarim, Deuteronomy, it's basically Moshe's final farewell speech where he rehashes and repeats a lot of the stories and also gives the people a lot of guidance and and kind of instruction and encouragement with regard to what they're going to need to know and remember uh, moving forward into the land.
0: Exactly, Ami. So the rehashing is what I want to focus on with you today. And in particular, there's one story that Moshe really zooms in on in the first chapter of Devarim that he devotes the majority of his time to. You know which story I'm thinking about?
1: Um, I have an inkling. Does it have to do with the spies, Beth?
0: It ha- exactly, it, it rhymes with pies <laughs> and pies. All right, the story of the spies, that's the one that I'm talking about. So I found something fascinating that's going on in Moshe's retelling of the story of the spies. But before we can even get there, before we can appreciate it, we have to first appreciate the telling. Mm. So I want us to flip back to Numbers chapter 13 where the story first takes place, where it's first narrated. I'm going to ask you some questions about the story as it's told over there. And then in the end, we're going to come back to our placeholder in Deuteronomy and um, see if that opens any doors
1: for us. Okay, great. I'm excited. Let's do it.
0: All right, so here we are. We're going back to Numbers. Take a look at the command that Moshe gives to the spies. Let's read through that command and see what their mission was.
1: Okay, so we're in in Bamidbar Numbers chapter 13, verse 17. Vayishlach otam Moshe Latur et Kanan. Moshe sends them out to explore, to scout the land of, of Canaan. Vayomer alehem Aluza Banegev Har. He says to them, Go up in the Negev and ascend the mountain. Uri'itimata Arets Mahi. You'll see the land. What is it? Ved Ha'amayoshevale Hechazaku Harafe. And the nation that's dwelling in that land. Is it a strong nation, a weak nation? Hame'atu Imrav. Are they small? Are they many? and what's the land like that that nation is dwelling in Hatovahi imra is it a good land or a bad land uma how about the cities that the nation is dwelling in are they encampments or are they fortified cities imraza, and what's the land like is it fat or is it skinny Hayhba Im kind of a really strange phrasing, but to say it in normal English would say, is there a tree or is there not? And you should strengthen yourself and take from the fruit of the land. And then the Torah tells us that it was the season at that time of the first grapes.
0: Okay, awesome. So let's just recapitulate real quickly, turn that mission into a bullet point list. Mm -hmm. Moshe tells them to do a few things. He says, go up to the Negev and go to the Har. Mm -hmm. So go to the south, go to the mountains, see the land. And in particular, look out for the people. Mm -hmm. And he gives them this dichotomy, right? Is the people strong or weak? Mm -hmm. Are they many or few? Then he goes back to the land, look out for the land. Again, another dichotomy, is the land good or bad? But now the cities, another dichotomy, are the cities unfortified, vulnerable, tent-like encampments, or Mm -hmm. are they fortified? And then another dichotomy, what about the land again? Mm -hmm. Is it fat or is it, you know, is it a poor land? Is it um, a lean land? Mm -hmm. Is there a tree in it? Mm -hmm. And then sends them on a mission. Go ahead and also bring back some of the fruit, Mm -hmm. right? So now keep that whole bullet point list in mind and skip down to... When the spies come back and they bring their report, and I want us to see if the spies, in fact, fulfill all of these bullet points, if they execute the whole mission, or okay, if there's something missing.
1: do they come back with the information? Moshe asks them or not?
0: Exactly. Well, information. He asks them for information, and he also asks them for for the fruit, right? So, so do they bring back the fruit, and do they bring back the the uh, the requested information?
1: And they told him, and they said. We arrived to the land that you sent us to. And that land, it is also flowing with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So we have a report about the land here. It seems like a rich land. Milk and honey are flowing out of it. And they've brought the fruits, it seems like, mm-hmm. right? So that's two of the bullet points that they've covered. Ephes, Ki az ha'am hayoshev ba'aretz. This word FS is pretty strange. How would you translate that word, Beth?
0: So FS to me is zero out what I just said. So it's a but, it's a how be it.
1: It's refuting everything they said until now, it seems like. So Efes, ki az ha'am hayoshev ba'aretz. Because the people, the, the nation that dwells in that land, they are Az, they are powerful. And their cities are these huge fortresses. We also saw the children of the giants there. Amalek The nation of Amalek is dwelling in the land of the Negev, the south. All these other nations, Yoshev Bahar, they live there in the mountains. The Canaanites, they live on the on the shore, the Al-Yad Hayarden, and by the Jordan as well.
0: And that's where their report ends. So did they cover all the bullet points, Ami?
1: Okay, so let's think about it. They talked about the people, and while they're not giving population numbers, they mention a whole lot of different nations that live there. So maybe that's talking about the multitude of nations over mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Moshe asked, are they strong or are they weak? And they say that they're Oz. It sounds like yep. they're powerful. Moshe asks, do they live in encampments or in Miv Tsarim, which we said is some kind of fortified city, and, and they say they have Bitsurot Kudolot from that same root of Miv Tsar, so it sounds like they're reporting on the fortresses. Am I missing anything?
0: So we brought back the fruit. In terms of information, we said we covered the people, mm-hmm. we covered the cities, mm-hmm. and we covered the land. Now, let's go back to what Moshe said about the land. Moshe really asked them to report back two things about the land. Uh-huh. There were two dichotomies, uh-huh. right? Did right. did they address both dichotomies? Right. So
1: as I'm looking back, there's two things Moshe asked about the land. Is it good or is it bad is it fat or is it lean
0: mm-hmm. so which which one of those did they answer so or did they it answer sounds
1: both on the surface of it like they answered the second one is it a productive mm-hmm. land mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. not And the answer is, yeah, it's so productive, it's just flowing Mm -hmm. with milk and honey. But we don't hear, is it good or is it bad?
0: What do you make of that? Moshe gave them a direct mission, and they seem to take that mission pretty literally, because when they come and they bring back their report, so much of their report is literally word for word addressing what Moshe said to them, right? They say, yes, the people is Oz, and uh, the cities are Bitzoros, and all of these things. But they're, Mm -hmm. they're completely silent on the question of good or bad.
1: It's really interesting, Beth, something that strikes me is, sounds like good and bad on this list of things is asking them. It's the only one that's sort of subject Mm. to opinion. The others seem to be somewhat quantifiable. Are there a lot Uh or are there a little? Is there produce there? Is there not? What do the cities look like?
0: Interesting.
1: Is the nation strong or are they weak? But Good and bad, how are they supposed to judge that? Especially you have a group of 12 people. Are they all supposed to decide? Whoever says it's good, raise your hand. Whoever says it's bad, raise your hand. You know, thumbs up, thumbs down. What are they judging that based on? So I
0: want to complicate that a little bit. So turn with me now to the very next chapter. This is the continuation of the story of the spies. This is the people's reaction to the spies report. Uh, of course, the spies are going to go on and to say a lot more than what we just read. They're going to say... The people there are much, much stronger than us. And we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. And we can't do this. And we're doomed. And in response, mm-hmm. the people cry. And the people say, Lu masnu mitzrayim. Would that we had died in the land of Egypt. And now take a look for me at verse
1: 3. Okay, so they go on. Why is God even bringing us to this land? To die by the sword. Our, our wives and children, they'll become captives there. Hello, wouldn't it be good for us to return to Egypt there we have tov there we have good coming up
0: exactly what, what do you make of these two things in contrast
1: so first of all just as far as the function of tov goes in relation to all those other questions or all those other ways of analyzing something tov here it seems like the conclusion this is what we see they're strong, they're going to kill us, we don't stand a chance. Now I can decide what would be good here. What would be good here is Mm -hmm. to go back to Egypt. I I would say, you know, if we go back to the list of questions, you know, it didn't happen in this order, but good and bad is only something they could really judge after they acquired all of the rest of Uh the information Uh about the land and really kind of analyzed it. So
0: let me me say it back to you to see if we're on the same page. If we had just read chapter 13 and we just saw what the spies said about the land— We'd say their report about the land was positive. They said it was a land that flows with milk and honey. Their report about the inhabitants Mm -hmm. was pretty scary. That was foreboding. But the land itself, it seems like they came back with a positive report. Sure, they didn't say that it was good, but they implied that it was good. But I hear you saying when you turn to chapter 14 and you see this word tov and you see that they describe returning to Egypt as tov, all of a sudden now you understand that in chapter 13, the omission of tov really meant lotov, that their failure, Moshe gave them a command, tell me if the land is good or bad, and their failure to say whether it was good or bad really implies retrospectively that they didn't think it was good at all.
1: Okay, so Beth, if I'm understanding you correctly, it sounds like what you're saying here is that maybe their their report about the land, that it's basically a fat land, it's a productive land, but not calling it tov somehow is there to imply that maybe they didn't actually think it was a good land. That's what I'm getting on me, and I
0: want to just give you another piece of evidence to underline just how conspicuous it is that they don't say anything about Tov, as if it's not Mm -hmm. enough that the primary question Moshe Mm -hmm. asks them about the land is, tell me, is it good or bad? If you'll just turn with me for a second to Exodus chapter 3.
1: Okay, are we going to the burning bush by any chance, Beth?
0: You're in, we're in the burning bush. We're standing there. Our, our shoes are off. And we're hearing God explain to Moshe, promising to Moshe for the very first time, what it is that he's going to do when he brings the people out of slavery. He's going to redeem the people from Egypt. And we're looking at verse 8. Mm-hmm. Tell us what God promises us and tell me what jumps out at you here.
1: Okay, so God says, um, I'm going to descend into Egypt to save, rescue the nation from the hands of Egypt, <speaking in Hebrew> and to lift the people out of that land, tova <speaking in Hebrew> to a land that is good and expansive, <speaking in Hebrew> to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. So it seems like it, this verse is somehow preempting what the spies are ultimately going to say when they come back from the land.
0: Right, the spies are reaching back to this verse. The spies were plagiarizing mm-hmm.
1: this verse. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, should I read to the end of the verse here?
0: Yeah, keep, keep going. El
1: v'hachiti v'aprizi to the place. Here again, we have again the slew the list of nations that, that are living there it kind of sounds oddly like uh, the seed for the spires of port was planted back here at the burning bush
0: it really does doesn't it right so so this is the first time that we hear about the land of israel through god's eyes And the spies report is the first time that we hear about the land of Israel through the people's eyes. So what's the same and what's different? Right.
1: Okay. I like the question. What's the same is it's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. What's the same is that a bunch of these nations are mentioned in both verses. What's different is that God calls it an Eretz Tovah Ruchava. God calls exactly. it a land that's good.
0: Exactly. There's one thing missing. The very first thing that God promises about this land, the very first qualifier in the entire book that God gives us to describe the land is it's an Eretz tova. That's fundamentally its essence. Mm-hmm. That's what Moshe says. God promised us an Eretz tova. Go and see if it's tova or Rah. And that's the one mm-hmm. thing that the spies conspicuously leave out. Whoa. It seems like such a positive report. It's a, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but there's this conspicuous omission. And if the spies knew Hashem's words enough to quote them, the people knew Hashem's words well enough to quote them, maybe they heard that echo too, or that the lack mm-hmm. of that echo.
1: It, it also kind of sounds to me like Moshe and God, they both know that this land is tovah or maybe even potentially tovah. This is a word mm-hmm. that the, that Moshe is, is associating with the land of Israel. The God, for sure, associates with the land of Israel. But the spies somehow they're not on the same page. They somehow are not are not relating that word at all to the land mm-hmm,
0: that they see. Mm-hmm. Now let's look at the. We know the people's reaction. The people hear the spies' report and they cry
1: mm-hmm. and they
0: say, "Tov lanu shuv mitzrayim."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? What's Moshe's response? When do we first hear a response from Moshe to the spies' report?
1: You mean other than falling on his face?
0: I'm talking about falling okay, on his face. So, when when does he fall on his face?
1: So we've got from that verse we read about the, the nation's words that they said in response. Then the people turn to one another and say, let's appoint a leader, it seems, and, and return to Egypt. And then at that point... Moshe and Aaron fall on their face.
0: In other words, maybe Moshe, who knows God's words, who knows that this is an Eretz Tova, who was charging the spies to go out and see it, but hoping that they would be able to recognize that, yes, this is an Eretz Tova, indeed, just as God promised it. Maybe Mm. when they come back and they give their report and they say, eh, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but he doesn't hear that word tov. Maybe he gives them the benefit of the doubt. Hmm. But when they then use the word tov in verse 3, mm-hmm. but they use it to describe not the land of Israel, but right? That seems to be the breaking point for Moshe. That's when he falls on his face and says, this people, how could you possibly? God told you he's going to bring you to a good land. And not only are you, can you not bring yourself to see the goodness in that land with your own eyes, but you attribute goodness to that evil place that Hashem just redeemed you from. That's a slap in the face. And for him, that makes him fall on his face.
1: Right. It seems all the more poignant in that at the burning bush, God said, I'm going to take you out of that land to a land that's called good.
0: Exactly. And the people are
1: saying, no, I want to go, we want to go back to that land. And for us, that's where it's good.
0: Exa- I think that's exactly right. It's, it is the exact inverse of the God perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, we saw how Moshe responds. And of course, Aaron falls on his face with him. Who are the other leaders in this story, the emerging leaders? And how do they respond?
1: Okay, so we have Yeshua and Kalev. And um, mm-hmm. I'm just looking here, glancing down to verse 7, that they turn to the people and they say, That land that we passed through, that we went to scout out. Not only is it good, it's very, very good.
0: Okay, so what are they doing here? And like, let me let me add some fire to the question. The spies have said a lot of troubling things up until this point. Namely, they have extolled the strength and might of the inhabitants of the land. And they have implied, Mm -hmm. first implied, and then said explicitly that the people can't take them. That Bnei Yisrael won't be able to conquer the inhabitants of the land. They won't be able to conquer the land.
1: Won't stand a chance.
0: They won't stand a chance. Now, if I hadn't read this story before, I would have expected Kalev and Yehoshua to stand up and say something else. I would have expected them to stand up and say, of course we can take the inhabitants of the land. They're strong, but we and our God are stronger. And they do say that. They say that earlier at the the end of chapter 13. But here they say something different. What is it that they say and why do they say it?
1: So it sounds like they are pronouncing that missing goodness, that tov that the spies, as you pointed out, just left out of the report. The tov Mm -hmm. that was misplaced by the people in response to that report they're bringing it back, and not only they're bringing it back; they're bringing it maod maod. They're they're mm-hmm. doubly amplifying it.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What does it remind you of? To say that something is mm-hmm. to- tov maod maod.
1: So the double maod doesn't remind me of anything in particular, but using the word the t- words tov maod bring me back to Breshit, So the mm-hmm, sixth day of mm-hmm. creation is that where you're where you're going, Beth? Is that what you're thinking of?
0: That's what I'm thinking about. I mean, what do we do with that? What do we do with the fact that Kalev and Yehoshua seemingly hear the conspicuous omission of the spies, the spies faltered in some serious way by not describing the land as good, and Kalev and Yahushua stand up and they say, not only is it good, it's very good in a way that harkens back to God's creation. Mm-hmm. And I want you to think about that, Bene Israel. What could be going on there?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm just running some of those associations through my mind, and, and I'll tell you what, what comes up for me. In the story of creation, we have God calling a whole lot of things good. Mm-hmm. We have God finally calling all of creation very good. We have a tree that's Good and not good, Mm -hmm. which is reminiscent of what Moshe basically tells the spies. Go see, is it Tova or Ra'a, that land, right? We have the Etadat Tovara. Mm -hmm. And then we have people. Mm -hmm who sort of take good into their own hands. Mm.
0: L- literally, literally, literally take the taking good into their own hands. And not only that,
1: it's the fruit, right? The spies had to go in and they had to take some fruit as well. So we have this kind of eerie mix of elements of good, bad, very good, and fruit.
0: Mm-hmm. We've heard this before. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So to come back and answer your question, uh, you know what you call the God perspective of, of the land of Israel, it almost sounds like if the spies, the people are somehow walking back down the trail that, that Adam and Eve slipped up in, then perhaps Kalev and Yahushua are sort of hearkening back to the place of very good, the, the, that godly perspective of the goodness of creation that, that existed before the point of breakdown, before eating from the tree and, and everything that came afterwards.
0: Awesome. So Ami, here's what I'm wondering. Could it be that Kalev and Yahushua, they're, they're saying two things at once? On the one hand, they're saying, guys, the spies got it wrong. This isn't just a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a good land. But they're also saying something else. They're saying there's something egregious about the spies getting it wrong. There's a reason the spies got it wrong. There's something fundamental that they forgot that they need to be reminded of. What they need to be reminded of is the fact that there was a first being in the world who was given the task of evaluating, of assessing good and bad. And that being was God, the master and creator of the universe. And God created everything. And of course, by the time we get to the sixth day, God has created the universe and man in it. Mm -hmm. And looks at that and pronounces that very good. Mm -hmm. It's within God's power and no one else's to evaluate what's good and what's not good. Mm -hmm. Mankind included. And now mankind, the very creation that was once pronounced very good by God, has the chutzpah to look at the land, the very land that God designated as good, and to somehow not see its goodness. Right? It, I wonder if the spies are, are, are supposed to be seeing the land through God's perspective, and instead they're seeing it mm-hmm. through their own perspective, and that that is what Kalev and Yehoshua are, are responding to.
1: So Beth, just a few things that pop up for me when you say that. One is in the following verses say Ach Hashem al-tim rodu, don't rebel against god mm-hmm. I mean, they're calling mm-hmm. out they're saying what's really going on here is not that you're saying no we can't go to the land we should go somewhere else There's, it's a flat out rebellion against god mm-hmm. and i'm wondering i'm thinking back also to like why would moshe tell these people go see if this land is good or not or bad mm. like isn't that some kind of setup but at the same time what strikes me is yes god the creator has the ultimate good and bad vision as Creator. But what ultimately happens, whether it's intentional or not intentional, is that after Adam and Eve also partake in the tree of good and evil, we become partners in deciding what's good and bad. And I think you said it in a way, we needed, the spies needed to go into the land with that godly perspective, seeing it through the eyes of God, can they see the land the way God sees the land? That, in mm-hmm. a sense, might be what Moshe is asking of them. I also will just want to throw one thing, Beth, into the mix here, which is, isn't it funny that Moshe goes and tells them, and is there a tree there?
0: Exactly.
1: <inaudible> exactly.
0: So what do you make of that? Does Does Moshe think that Israel is the land of Eden, the Garden of Eden? Is that what they're about to walk into?
1: It sounds like there's some kind of awareness, whether it's, in awareness of the text, or it's Moshe consciously channeling the the story of of Gan Eden, where there's an awareness where we're stepping into similar territory here. Mm-hmm, the spies mm-hmm. going to the land is is in a sense reapproaching the garden, and we need to see what's going to happen when they do that.
0: And Ami, um, wasn't that exactly the test in Gan Eden? The test in Gan Eden. One way of explaining it is. It was a test to see whether mankind, whether Adam and Chava could see things through God's perspective and could let God be the arbiter of good and evil Mm -hmm. as opposed to them. Right. Mm -hmm. Because God says, don't eat from this one tree. But Chava looks at the tree and she says, "Mm, that tree looks good to me. Mm -hmm. Right. That tree Mm -hmm. looks tov. So she goes ahead and she says, I don't care about God's good and evil. I know my good. My good is that I want to bite into that fruit. Mm-hmm. And she goes ahead and picks it. Right. Right? And
1: that's so much what we were seeing with the contrast between what God said at the burning bush. I'm taking you to the land that's Tova and what And what the nation ultimately said here, which is, Tovlanu Shuv Mitzrayimah. Exactly. And isn't it interesting, Beth, that Moshe doesn't only tell them, go see what the land is like, go take its fruit, but also says, and is there a tree there? I mean, can you get any more wink-wink than that?
0: That's right. That's right. I I think you're totally right about that. In other words, maybe Moshe has this sense that what the people are going to enter, it's a and take two, Mm -hmm. right? They failed the test once a long time ago to see things through God's perspective, Mm -hmm. and now this is a chance for them to see it anew. They're going to walk into that land, a land which God told him was a, a land that's tova and the question is can the people bring themselves to see it as tova mm-hmm. i don't think it's an easy test because what are the people going to see when they go to the land on the one hand yes they're going to see that it's fertile but they're also going to see something else they're, they're also going to see that it's a land inhabited by really strong people who build really strong cities right that's a real test of amuna for a human in that perspective to be able to say but nonetheless, I defer to God as the arbiter of good and evil. He says this is a good land, so uh, I'm going to describe this as a good land.
1: Right. And, and it's interesting. Nobody are, disagrees here with the fact that it's an Eretzavah Chalabudvash. Mm-hmm. They all say mm-hmm. this land makes great food, it makes great fruit. It's pumping right. with milk and with, with, with honey. Their big question is do we stand a chance against the people who live there? And that ends up defining it as not a good place for them.
0: Exactly. And because of that failure to see things through God's perspective, that failure to defer to God and to say, okay, God, you're the creator of the world. You get to call the shots about what's good and evil. Not me. There's a punishment. Mm -hmm. And the punishment is that they're never going to be able to see that land. Mm -hmm. The only people who are going to see it are their children. Mm -hmm. Let's see how God describes their children. Come with me to verse 31. And let's look at God's language.
1: Verse 31 in what chapter?
0: In Numbers 14.
1: Okay, so it says, Your children who you said are going to be taken captive. And I'll bring them. And I'll bring them. And they will know the land which you were disgusted with.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, here's the cool thing about this verse. We started to say in the beginning, of course, this is, this is a podcast on Parshas Devarim. We started this whole discussion with Parshas Devarim, which is where Moshe retells the story of the spies. So, I want us now to go back to Parshas Devarim and see if we can find the verse that parallels this one. Where does Moshe restate this? Where does he talk about the fact that the people described their children, they worried that their children would be taken captives, and that God ultimately said that he would bring their children into that land? What verse is that? And take your time, Mommy, it's not a pop quiz.
1: Okay, I'm searching, I'm searching. Okay, I think I found it, Beth. We're in Devarim chapter 1, verse 39. Again, the word V'tapchem opens the same with the same word as that last verse we just heard. Your children, Asher Martin Lavazia, same exact opening, right? Your children who you said were going to be taken captive. Uvnechem and your your sons. Asher Loyad Uhayom Tovara. Look at that. Who do not know today? Good and evil. Good and bad. They are the ones who will come there. I'll give the land to them. They're the ones who will inherit it.
0: So there's a couple things we got to talk about here. First of all, I think this is nuts. And I think it's nuts for the following reason. This language of das... Tov and Ra, Mm -hmm. it appears in two contexts in the entire Mm Chumash, right? This is one context, and you know the other context. What's the other context where we get Das, Tov, and Ra?
1: We have the tree of knowledge of good and evil.
0: Exactly. We're right back in the Garden of Eden. It is these two contexts, and that's it. Second thing we have to talk about is what's going on in the contrast between this verse in Numbers and this verse in Deuteronomy. They seem to be saying the same thing. They seem to be equated. But in Numbers, the children are described as knowing the land, the Yadu Es mm-hmm. And in Devarim, how are the children described?
1: Not knowing good and evil.
0: What do you make of that? What does it mean that, that the children that get to inherit the land don't know good and evil? And why should it be that someone who doesn't have knowledge of Tovarah does have knowledge of the land?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say that perhaps based on all the things that we've been noticing until now, if Entering the land is somehow Garden of Eden, take two. So knowing good and evil as humans, i.e. not in partnership with God, the way the spies were, the way that previous generation was, that would be a obstacle to being able to enter the land
0: exactly in other words to know good and evil it's sort of a euphemism to know good and evil is to not know good and evil Mm
1: -hmm. god
0: is the arbiter of good and evil and to have eaten from the tree means that you think you know good and evil that you think you can arbitrate between good and evil just like god does but in fact if you're in such a position that you are a knower of good and evil that you've eaten from the tree what it means is that you don't know. You, you are then unable to have knowledge of the land.
1: And what it means in the context of the Garden of Eden is that you get kicked out of that garden. Right, Adam and Eve were exiled from the garden after they knew good and evil, so to speak.
0: Exactly. And is there an exile that follows the sin of the spies?
1: Well, the whole generation is going to die off. They just won't, won't, won't be given entry to the land.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's a, it's a sort of exile. And was what? What was the other punishment in the Garden of Eden? There was an exile, but there was also a threat that if they ate from the tree, something would happen.
1: Okay, that they were going to die.
0: Do we have a threat of death in the story of the spies?
1: We have an outcome of death they all just die off. That is their fate.
0: Which is exactly what happens exactly in what with happens Adam, Adam, Adam and Chava, right? They don't die immediately. The spies don't die immediately, but God touts their mortality.
1: Yeah, Beth, I just want to throw in one more thing, and, and I think our, our listeners can probably do a little more research into this, but I was noticing when we were flipping through Bamidbar that the spies are called an Eda Ra'ah mm. and they come with the Diba Ra'ah. There's a whole bunch of Ra language going on in that in that chapter also, which is contrasted with all the good that they were missing out on.
0: Exactly. And of course, all of those descriptors, that's all God perspective, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this this link, this being the, the generation that doesn't know good and evil and therefore it's the generation that can know the land. This mm-hmm. is it for me. This makes it clear to me that what What was happening with the sending of the spies was the Garden of Eden Part Mm 2. Moshe was setting them up for a test. God was setting them up for a test. With every expectation that they would pass it. With every expectation that a people who had just been liberated from slavery by God and been the beneficiaries of miracle upon miracle performed by God would be able to defer to God as the arbiter of good and evil. But they failed that test. They had every reason to be able to see this land as good. And instead, they just can't bring themselves to see it. They're too scared by the nations they see. And they just can't believe that this God who fought for them and liberated them is going to be able to actually clear the path for them and make this and realize the goodness of this land. And so their knowledge actually blinds them. I think that's what the contrast in Devarim is telling us. The people who know good and evil are unable to know the land. Mm -hmm. And the people, the generation that will know the land, that's the generation that doesn't know good and evil. And God has to start over again. And there's going to be a Garden of Eden take three Mm. with the next generation. Mm -hmm. And the test will be, will that generation be able to see the goodness of the land even when things are tough? Mm. And will they be able to defer to God's perspective?
1: Beth, I really love the way that you've set up this parallel here. I think that there's, it's very rich. I think there's a lot that can be explored here and expanded. And um, wow, thank you. Thanks for sharing. It was really yeah,
0: awesome. Yeah, it, it was a, it was good, right? <laughs> that's just a little and humor for you. It was you. good. And, you know, Ami, I don't know if you've been a part of any of the research that's been happening here at Aleph Beta for the new Tishabov video that's coming out it really relates to a lot of these ideas about the garden of eden and who gets to call good and who gets to call bad you know mm. that listeners you should check it out it's going to be coming out please god this year tish above i think that that will really uh, enrich in the story for you
1: wow i'm excited and I'm, I'm glad that we've had this intro to get us ready to jump into the tish of course too
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Ami. Looking forward to doing it with you again soon.
1: Okay. Thanks, Beth.
0: Just a reminder, everyone, if you haven't subscribed already, make sure you do so now. And if you haven't already, now's the time to go ahead, go on to the app store and give us five stars so all your friends can find us. Good learning Torah with you all.